The Short Game Episode 37, Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is the show where we discuss short video games, the kind of games you can complete in an evening or a weekend, but more importantly, the kind of games that dare to try things that the big games and AAA productions just can't afford to try. Uh, I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined, of course, this week by my awesome co-hosts, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? Just peachy. And Nate Heininger. Where are you, Nate? Where am I? Yeah, where are you? I'm uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. It's cold. It's real cold. Real, real cold. So cold. Laura, I'm really glad you were actually able to join us today. We had a lot of... uh, Sounds like you had some drama. Today I had a laptop completely die on me. Uh, My boss spilled tea on it. And also, I almost didn't get to board the plane to where I currently am, which is Phoenix, Arizona, because my ticket got marked as military. Which is really strange. Yeah, I I basically had to sit at the gate waiting while they all looked at me and um, basically accused me of trying to fraud them to save $30. (laughs) Well, um, I salute you uh, for your your service, (laughs) ma'am. Boo. Boo. (laughs) Totally not deserved. (laughs) So this week we're talking about Guacamelee, and I cannot... Guacamelee! Guacamelee! Super Turbo Championship Edition! Oh my god, I'm so excited to talk about this game, guys. I'm really so excited to talk about this game. (laughs) Reagan and I have been trying to convince the other host to try this game basically since I joined the podcast. Before that, yeah. Oh no, this goes way back. So um, when I was first... So I I had a period uh, before we launched this podcast where I was playing a lot of these types of games, and I had a set of about five games that I had played and decided these are all awesome games and I really wanted to play them. And mostly those are the first like four episodes of the podcast. And then there was this game, which I could never convince Shane or Nate to play in order to talk about on the show. But this game, I have been dying to do an episode about this since long before we actually started this show. This is one of my favorite games of the last many years. Yeah, and when I was upgraded and Reagan was like, well, what games can you want to talk about? It's like, uh, blah, 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 guacamelee. And he freaked out. <laughs> I'm just so glad that someone else had played it. It's such a great game and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, and I was never uh, anti this game. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Nate. We've just had so many games on our list. It just took me... Uh, a cornucopia right. of games. Yeah, yeah, and they've all been great. And I definitely love this game. Yeah, I use was, whatever excuses you need, Nate. Sure, sure. You know, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> Good. So you are the freshest to this game. I I should say I've played this game now twice completely through from beginning to end. Um, And I just finished it for the second time yesterday. I never do that with games. I almost never play a game 
uh, completely through from beginning to end a second time. Um, but I did recently with this game, and uh, I've, I'm really excited to talk about it, but I'm, I'm really interested to hear Nate's take because he's brand new to it. I've been a big fan of these games. The closest uh, games like this, the closest uh, comparison I could think of would be Castle Crashers, which I don't believe you've actually played yet, Reagan, but I know there's a lot of the side-scrolling, platforming, action, you know, beat-em-up games. I was fortunate enough to be able to play this entire game through with Molly, so I never, the only time I ever played single-player was basically when I downloaded it, I kind of turned it on, went through the initial little story, started fighting a guy, and I was like, I'm going to do this two-player, because this game's going to be awesome two-player. But, uh, and I know we're going to go into the mechanics a little bit more, but what actually caught me off guard and ended up being what really clicked with me on this game and what made me enjoy this game so much was the platforming elements to it. The fighting was fun. The fighting was great, but I was caught off guard and challenged most by how awesome the platforming elements were. And I don't know if that's just you guys or just me. No, I totally agree. Uh, it's just it sort of set up the game for folks who may not have had a chance to see much about it. And this game flew under a lot of people's radar, so it wouldn't be surprising if you haven't seen much about this game. Um, Guacamelee originally came out for the PlayStation 3 and PS Vita, but by now it's gone through a couple of versions and it's out on practically everything. You can get it for your PS4, you can get it for the PC, you can get it for uh, all the Xbox consoles, I think, except the first one, obviously. Um... It's been a pretty successful and widespread game, and you can get it on practically any platform that you want. Um, it's also been through a few versions. We're talking specifically today about its most current version, Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition. Um, but pretty much the changes between the original Guacamelee, the Guacamelee Gold Edition, and this version are pretty minor, and we'll kind of talk about them as we go. So Guacamelee is, it's a Metroidvania, and I hate that word because it's a really bad portmanteau, but it's a really good description of what makes this game so interesting. Um, Metroidvania is uh, is a term that was coined by Jeremy Parrish at 1UP, and um, you guys know that I'm a huge fan of the uh, Retro Knots podcast that he's on. Um, so this is one of those words that somebody used in a random blog post, you know, at some point, and just spread like wildfire and is now sort of this the de facto word that everyone uses for this style. I think he kind of tapped into something, and that's that there's this style of game that, you know, obviously he's tying Metroid and its you know, sequels to uh, similar aspects in some of the later Castlevania games. So Metroid, Castlevania, Metroidvania sounds better than um, Castleoid or something. Uh, running back and forth over the same placey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it has a few, diff few certain elements that are really important to what makes a game a Metroidvania. The key stuff, I guess, would be that it's sort of free roaming. Um, it's a, it's a two D platformer. Uh, Guacamelee is a is straight up a 2D platforming action game. Uh, but rather than just be one level after another in the Mario style or, you know, whatever else, uh, it's sort of one gigantic connected map. And you can, you start in a spot, you can go left or right, you can, you know, go through doors, you can go up floors and down basements. Um, there's many different areas to the map that have their own sort of unique flavors and it's all sort of interconnected. Yeah, and in addition to getting goals or objectives that help you explore and kind of direct your path, you're also getting items, weapons, powers, 
um, different things that'll let you unlock or repeat um, areas. You'll either be exploring new ones or backtracking through areas you've already touched on to get deeper and deeper into it. Mm -hmm. So in, in a game like Metroid, that might have been get a new rocket launcher. And with that new rocket launcher, you can finally blast through the you know, the red doors or something like that, which means that suddenly all these areas and secrets in levels that you've already visited and in stages or areas that you've already been through are suddenly opened up. And so you can backtrack and find new things or maybe even backtrack and find doors that go to areas that you were never able to explore before. Um, whereas in this, instead of new guns, we get new wrestling moves. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like your enthusiasm for wrestling moves. Um, this actually isn't the first Metroidvania that we've done either. Uh, we did Cave Story, which was one of the first games we did on this show. Uh, was a was a Metroidvania. Oh, yeah. And in some ways, VVV, VVV was a uh, Metroidvania. Not to the T, but it did feature one large map that you would explore. Yeah, yeah, it has some of the same aspects. I, I wanted to say while we're talking about the map, and I know we're going to go into greater de detail with it later, uh, the first thing that drew me to this game was the the platforming skills. The second thing was the map design. This game was gorgeous, and I could not believe how intricately connected everything was. They did such a good job with it. Yeah. It, visually, it is a very distinctive and cool-looking game, and I think some of that comes from the great art. It really does have a nice art style, um, but most of it comes from sort of the themes and sort of interesting world of the game. Um, if you couldn't sort of guess from the title or maybe from the show notes art, uh, we'll have some photos in the show notes. Uh, the game is based around this sort of fantasy world designed around Mexican cultural stereotypes and tropes. Guacamole. So, yeah. Yeah, it's mainly luchadors, lucha libre. Um, the girl next to me on the plane who was watching Pitch Perfect actually really loved the art design. Um, I was playing it today just to touch up. Um, and she asked me what the hell I was playing. I tried to explain. Um, I described it to her as a platformer beat-em-up in lucha libre style. And um, so maybe we have a listener or a downloader of this game. Um, <laughs> but she was really drawn in because it's funny. It's very almost pop art. It's super bright. Um, there's even an, um, you know, if you are prone to epilepsy warning at the beginning, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. every time you get a power, the screen flashes. So it pulls on all the colors and energy and fun of luchador, lucha libre wrestling. But on top of that, it stacks basically every possible, you know, Mexican uh, trope, Mexican culture trope that you would see in a movie like uh, um, like Nacho Libre or uh, what was the one you mentioned, Nate? Uh, Casa de my Padre, the the Will Ferrell movie. It's like so over the top. You sometimes think it might be racist, but you don't really understand enough about the culture to know whether it's racist or not. Like yeah. I was very, I was very confused, uh, torn on whether this game was like I, someone with more qualifications than me should should to talk about that. But it is like it's that type of humor where they just like add L in front of an English word, and that makes it, you know, Spanish. Or like you're, I think one of you guys said earlier, it's like you're reading a Taco Bell menu. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, I we'll mean, we'll talk about a lot of these things as we go. But I mean, you're playing as John. Or excuse me, Juan. John. Yeah, I know. Juan Aguacate. Juan Aguacate. Aguacate, of course, being uh, <laughs> Spanish for avocado. Uh, you know, which is like on a level with. Uh, you know, calling someone the Hamburglar. In fact, I'm going to post a link in the show notes to a really great article about the sort of uh, a, a Mexican American's take on this game's sort of um, you know humor and how whether it works for him and what parts of it work and what what doesn't. And I'll say that like I'm usually a person that looks at everything through that sort of lens of you know I I don't like to think of myself as like a you know a PC guy or anything, but I, well, you're a Mac guy. I get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Well, basically, the article says all of my friends kept asking me if I thought this game was racist, and I thought the game was fun, and then I thought maybe I should think it's more racist than it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he sort of didn't give it a, a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down in this department, but for me, all those things that, frankly, looking at the art in advance, I thought maybe this would bother me. It didn't because the game was so engrossing and fun. Maybe it should have. I don't know. But I just had an enormous amount of fun playing this game. And I never had time to stop and think about anything other than how much fun it was. Yeah, I I mean, it was funny. You know, like like I said, I didn't think about it too much myself either. I think it could be there. I could see maybe someone being offended. But it's like, it's so over the top and so on the nose that... You you can tell what audience they're working with, and 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 they know what they're doing with it. it it's not lazily done, mm-hmm. you know. There are deep references as well as there are easy ones, like having the last guys, guys the guy's last name be Avocado. Yeah, and there know? are some things that really land and are great funny bits. Like for example, like the the evil villain of the game, his name is Carlos Calaca, which is a another pun name. Which you know, Calaca is is Spanish for skeleton, and it has a kind of a connotation of of like the little skeleton figurines you'd see on Day of the Dead you know, displays. Um, but some of them kind of don't land like, uh, like the two player character. And we'll talk a little bit about the two player, which is really cool. But the two player character is a woman named Tostada. And for some reason that didn't land for me. Like, come on guys. Like, I don't know. Like the, yeah. the things that were actual, like, uh, cultural references or maybe required a little bit of, of at least interest in the Spanish language to pick up on. Um, those landed for me as as funny puns and interesting bits and the other stuff that seemed sort of just targeted specifically at Americans whose only like knowledge of Mexican culture is a Taco Bell menu like that stuff didn't really land I don't know (laughs) yeah they also do a couple things too that like they try to include um I don't know. I guess internet culture is maybe the best way to put it. Uh, yes. Like they, some of that stuff didn't, some of it was funny. Some of it didn't really land. I mean, the, every special move you get usually has some sort of uh, luchador kind of connection to it. But near the end, the guy gets exasperated and it's called like the flying derp derp or something like that. He ran out of names. The dashing derp derp. The dashing derp derp. And it's like, all right. Yeah. There, there's a lot of funny stuff in it and not all of it is you know, Spanish language yeah. puns. Well, it's it's definitely shotgun. It's it's shotgun humor. Like they are at almost every moment, they are attempting to throw a joke at you. So there are definitely some misses, but on the whole, I was laughing 
far more than I was groaning. That's so. true. Yeah, that for me as well. And um, it just is so much fun to play physically that the jokes when they didn't work just passed by, and I was you know I was in the zone playing the game. Well, yeah, I think that they don't have to have any of that, and it would have been a fun game. I mean, it could have been a, as far as the gameplay goes, it could have been like VVV, where it's just like, you know, looks like it's a Commodore 64 game. If you saw the same controls and the same type of action, it's a great game. The the flavor, the the style, the jokes and all that just kind of layered on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I appreciate it's not all referential humor. I mean, there's tons of it. There's a, a part where you are uh, you into a bar. There's a character called Flameface. He's talks to you a little bit about, um, you know, how he's working for uh, Kalaka. But then he starts saying, tra-la-la-la-la-la-la. Um, which doesn't read as well. When you read it, you definitely read it like that. And you wait a second, it's that YouTube video. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Sadly, there is no voice acting in this game. It's all yeah. text. And I actually, know. in some ways, I think some of the, the jokes probably worked better that way. There's um, only laughs. There's yeah. evil laughter. Um, but there's also times where Cackling. people are just saying weird, trippy things. Um, there's a, a whole mechanic where you can turn into a chicken, which is hilarious. There's a lot of intrinsic humor. It's not all just internet and... Um, Mexican culture references. as well is and that's this is plot in quotation marks because frankly this game doesn't have that much plot to speak of um you know the the plot is also kind of stereotypical and fun um you are it's an action it's an action plot it is you know it's it's like just enough to to drive the you know what the character wants and you kind of know what your next move is you know you don't have to spend too much time thinking about it all you have to spend your time thinking about is who you're punching or kicking next and can you make that jump properly yeah yeah you start off kind of as a wannabe juan isn't the super powerful awesome luchador that we will come to know and love um but el presidente's daughter is kidnapped Mm -hmm. and juan dies he rushes um, to her rescue in the collapsing presidential slaughtered. palace, and Ugh. evil Kalaka kills him with a snap of his fingers. And then you find yourself in the world of the dead, which is all based on uh, the sort of uh, Day of the Dead visuals of Mexican culture. Yeah, lots of visible skeletons. You know, you can picture every character that you see in the live world suddenly has that white makeup with the black uh, dots and colorful um, you know, flower patterns on their faces. Mm-hmm. And the dead world has a kind of a mirror image of the, of the live world. Every building that's standing in the live world is a little different, either slightly beat up or fallen down, or maybe buildings that are, are already fallen down in the live world are still standing in the dead world. And Yeah, and they do some jokes even in that where like, there'll be a statue of a like a, a, a normal looking human in the live world and in the dead world, it's a skeleton or something like that. Fairly late in the game, you get the ability to switch between the live world and the dead world uh, at will. But for the beginning of the game, you're sort of at the mercy of there's portals that are that appear throughout the game and uh, certain characters can sort of flip you from one world to the other. But um, 
your initial you're initially sent to the dead world because you die. You fail to save El Presidente's daughter from Kalaka. Uh, but then you find a magical luchador mask, or rather you're given this magical luchador mask by Tostada. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I don't know. Tostada, I wasn't really clear on her backstory. There was clearly something going on there, but I wasn't. You can swap and play as her. Yeah, you can, but only for two player, right? No, you can actually choose from the start if you want to play. Yeah. Which one you want to play? Okay. You want to play the lady? Yes. I had no idea. Or you can buy it's her. It's in the costumes. Costumes, yeah, it's in the costumes. You can but just swap had, to her for free. Since I had Molly playing the whole time, I had Tostada around the entire game. Functionally, she's identical to Juan. Um, all of her moves are the same. But um, I don't know. It, it was it was fun to have that option. And for two-player, it's really neat. Anyway, Tostada, if you're playing single-player, will just sort of show up every now and then to give you backstory or, like, say ominous things. But her first interaction with you is she gives you the magical luchador mask that allows you to come back from the dead with your magical luchador powers. And uh, off we go to try to save El Presidente's daughter. It never gives her a name. She's only ever El Presidente's daughter. <laughs> um, yeah. We try to save her from Kalaka. And plot-wise, that's about it. We spend the rest of the game killing skeletons and other evil beasts and the occasional boss uh, in order to get to Kalaka and stop him from doing some kind of ritual to kill... Uh, El Presidente's he's daughter. He's going to merge the dead world and the single world, or in the so live world. So he can world. rule over he all. He rules both worlds. Yeah. He uh, beat up Satan, which was a really funny like scene. Like you do. Um, and took took over the dead world, and he's going to use El Presidente's daughter in your standard sacrifice, you know, like the beauty, in order to uh, take over the world situation. Mwah, We're ah, all ah, used ah. to it at this point. Yeah. Um, they do a good job of like the setup of this game where, as you were saying, as Juan, before you go in, before you run and die, it y- you basically run and you see Kalaka and all of his cronies. You see the entire gang there together and you know right away you're gonna have to fight each and every one of those before you get to Kalaka. and Mm -hmm. it's a pretty natural progression it feels good i think they like you said the plot's not crazy but i thought it i thought it was pretty uh fluid sure and we don't really need to go through much of the details of the plot but it would be nice to talk about some of those henchmen some of those villains that we meet in that first scene and that we then fight in sequence as the sort of bosses of the game um the first is one that I had a real difficulty pronouncing. <laughs> um, her name is X apostrophe T-A-B-A-Y. And I had to Google it. X-Tabay. It's yeah, X-Tabay, yeah. right? No, actually. I Googled what? it. And according no. to... Hang on. Let me find it again. Um, dang it. Sithabay, um, right? Um, uh, I Googled it. And um, <laughs> according to... The developers, Drinkbox Studios, uh, it's pronounced uh, shtabai. Like they, they like phonetically spell it out S H T A dash B U Y. I think the like the X apostrophe kind of pronounces like a sh sound, kind of combined with a ch sound. So like hmm. uh, uh, shtabai. I'm gonna go with X to bay. Uh, sure, X to Bay. Anyway, <laughs> she is uh, a mythological character out of um, uh, out of sort of South American folklore. Um, she's sort of a sort of a what would you call her? Like a 
I mean, she is Kalako's, in this version, she's Kalako's girlfriend who's quite jealous that he's taken up with El Presidente's daughter. She has an incredibly good evil laugh. She's a bit of a succubus. She flirts quite a lot with Juan, but whenever he tries to take her up on it, she beats him down like you do. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And um, one of my favorite plot points with her is that she's uh, essentially pet-sitting for Kalaka. Oh, yeah. And not doing a very good job of it. I forgot. He's got that gigantic, creepy, evil monster that is his pet. Yeah. Basically a giant chameleon. So we have to fight that, too. It's amazing. It's a really cool, gigantic beast. That's a great thing that this game does is that, like, you fight creatures on every scale from skeletons that are about the same size as Juan to, you know, some of the final bosses, which are gigantic, multi-story tall, huge bosses that just tower over poor little Juan. Um, But by that point, Juan is so overpowered that it's nothing. You can beat up these gigantic creatures. So Downer downer cuts for days. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Chitabe, um, once you've taken her down, and that's a really fun boss fight. That's the first major boss fight in the game. Um, We face off uh, against Flameface, and he's like a really classic sort of spaghetti western-y gunslinger. So he's got a couple of six shooters that he likes to fire off at you, and uh, his head is a giant flaming, you know, fire. Hence the name Flame Face. A la Ghost Rider. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's, He's basically Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. It's more or less Nick Cage. It it actually helps if you hear his voice with Nick Cage's voice. <laughs> oh, Nick Cage. That's my Nick Cage impression. That was pretty good. Spectacular. Yeah. Thank you. I was impressed. <laughs> um, anyway, he was fun. And uh, there's not a whole lot else to say about him. Um, you know, he actually was probably the least interesting of the of the villainous characters, as far as I'm concerned. Terrible at counting bullets. Mm-hmm. Oh, awful. As we're going, we're picking up new powers. And um, the first power that we get on our journey, uh, you know, very early in the game, you come across a sort of a clearing in, on the map. And in that clearing is a gigantic statue of a Metroid like from Metroid, that's one of the early like references. There's tons of references to other video games in this. But actually, I think this was there specifically to kind of clue you in, hey, in a Metroid-y kind of way, you're about to get a new power. And we come across this clearing, we see the Metroid statue, and there is another statue, the, um, uh, what do you call them from Metroid? Uh, they're like Chuzos. Or Chuzos. Chuzos. And of course, the first thing you do when you come across this beautiful, peaceful clearing with this lovely statue is you punch it. And it breaks into tiny pieces. And out comes uh, Hue Chivo. Uh, Hue Chivo is another kind of South American mythological kind of figure. He's sort of a... Chivo is like goat, I think. Yeah, Chivo means goat. And uh, and Hue, I think, means like wizard or sorcerer or something. I'm not really clear. Yeah, on they it. don't teach that word even after six years of Spanish in high school. So yeah. you don't learn wizard, unfortunately. And I didn't <laughs> listen too much. You're so. taking the wrong type of uh, Spanish classes, I think. Didn't you ever play any Spanish D&D? 16 years of Spanish. Uh, I wish. You didn't take magical realist Spanish? <laughs> well, you do. You only learn about, like, girls getting put in coffins and resurrecting from the dead after 16 months, but... Yeah, that sounds about Mexican. <laughs> so Hue Chivo uh, tells you that you've just gained his first power and asks you, 
please not to destroy any of his other statues. The first power you get is the Rooster Uppercut. And this is where we should probably take a second to talk about the combo system for the game, which I think is, this is what makes the game. This is the the reason to play this game. Um, Guacamelee has absolutely the most fun brawler style beat-em-up combat of any game that I've ever played. And it's because it makes it really, really easy to pull off things that are just a really cool. Like, it, it, there's a lot of challenge to this game, but it makes it really easy to do incredibly cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And incredibly long combos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know how many, how, like, I don't know what my longest one was, but I do know that there is a PlayStation trophy for a 125 hit combo, which <laughs> I earned. Oh my so God, I, seriously. I don't, I don't know, know if how, I checked on that one. Yeah, I, I don't totally know how, believe it. I don't know how far I went past that. But I know I earned the 125 hit combo. Yeah, you can definitely get <laughs> dozens of hits without really being like very yeah, good. We yeah. square over and over and over. Yeah. And I over. mean, the thing that really elevated this to me is that the combos are earned over time. And like something like Street Fighter, where if you are against someone who has already memorized all the combos off the bat, you're going to die. You're just going to fail. I mean, this one, they're going to stage up that combat, those combos. You get them over time, and each new move you get also will help you explore more bits of the world. So you're getting better both at platforming and at combat at the same time. Yeah. So you just feel awesome. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about this is like something like Metroid or really any other game in this vein that I've ever played, you get these new things as you go. You get a little trickle of new powers or abilities or or weapons or whatever it might be, but they're primarily there for, you know, like you hit the right shoulder button to fire a missile or whatever. Here, every little thing it adds on adds a little bit to your like ability to pull off these fantastic combos. And all of your moves that you pull off during your combos, all of your combat moves, your punches, your slams and your, you know, uh, little flying kicks and things, all of those moves that you can pull off are also the moves that you use when traversing the level, when, you know, jumping and so on. So, for example, um, early in the game, you can't jump very high, Um, but then you get the rooster uppercut. And if you jump and then do the rooster uppercut, then you get a lot more height and suddenly you can jump on top of things that you wouldn't have been able to jump on before. And, you know, not long after that, you learn some new powers like the frog slam, which lets you jump up and then slam downward very quickly. Obviously, you can use that to slam opponents but you can use it to break through certain types of floors as well yeah and as you're picking up these different powers the game is forcing you to learn how to use them quickly together um, because that's the only way you can get across a lot of these platforming obstacles Um, i play this both with um, a controller like it's recommended and definitely um, play with a controller if possible again today on the plane i was trying to play i play with keyboard and i got a hundred percent better playing on keyboard because the game would force me to learn how to do the combos which are very tricky very very tricky play it on a controller guys um and then you got so frustrated you tricked your boss into spilling your glass of tea. Oh, that was that was hours before. That's my work <laughs> computer. My work computer is dead. RIP work computer. Which means you got the day, rest of the day off, right? Uh, I had to fly across the country. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I got to play on my I got to play on my lovely MacBook Pro which doesn't have tea on it. Um, and I got to play on the keyboard and it forced me to do Rooster uppercut into Olmec's head, but into Frog Slam. Do these moves back to back to back. Um, 
which then became super useful in combat because I also had to do those combinations to beat people with shields or um, to beat a huge um, amount of people in a row. So the game does a great job, even if you have someone who's not that used to beat-em-ups or platformers, I would recommend this game because of the leveling system. Yeah, it's an incredibly accessible thing for a for a combat-oriented game. It's incredibly um, accessible. And it does that with really easy controls. You know, the controls are really simple. It's not like Street Fighter combos where it's like do a three-quarter upward roll on the joystick and then hit this combo of three buttons in close succession. No, it's really simple. You have an attack button, which does regular attacks, and you have a special button. And if you hit the special button, It'll either just do an attack on its own or you hold the hit the special button in any direction and it'll do one of your you know various like directional Super Smash ones. Brothers. Yeah, quite yeah, a like- bit like that. Um, so like Rooster Uppercut is on a uh, PlayStation controller. It's the uh, like the circle. You'd hit circle, which is the special and up and it does the Rooster Uppercut. But circle and down does the Frog Slam, which is the sort of the same move, but it's downward instead of upward. Or there's another one to the right or left. There's another one if you're not holding a button and there's uh, other similar ones. Same button if you're like clinging to a wall. It's all contextual. It's depending on you know what direction you hit, but it's never more than a couple of buttons at a time. And it's really natural. You really get into a flow with it. Yeah, well, and it requires that you get into a flow with it because as you guys were saying, these combos, they're not a recommended moveset. They are a requirement. There, It is necessary that you learn all of them and get good at them. Mm-hmm. There is um, a category of moves that aren't necessarily combat-focused. Um, I'm thinking specifically of Poyo Power, which lets you... Tr- exactly. For those of you who don't know Spanish, that lets you transform yourself back and forth into a chicken. And as a chicken, you can jump really high, go into small spaces, and you can bite people to cause a tiny bit of damage. It's Which is super fun because there are some points in the game where you actually have to fight pretty powerful enemies as a chicken. And that means basically just dashing around and avoiding their their hits while pecking at them for tiny minuscule amounts of damage one peck at a time. Uh Really a neat, fun yeah. interlude, really. Or it's hoping you move them into, you know, chainsaws. Yes. Yeah. A lot of chainsaws in this game, which is never a bad thing. Well, I mean, super Mexican themed. Also, in the Super Turbo Championship Edition, they add a uh, a power that you can get where, as a chicken, you can lay exploding eggs. So you can kind of think of the Poyo power as the equivalent to Metroid's uh, Morph Ball. You know, in Metroid, you can, you know, to get through small passages, you turn into, like, Samus turns into that tiny ball and can lay mines. In this, mm-hmm. instead, you turn into a chicken and can lay exploding eggs. It's really functionally the same thing. I don't think I ever laid exploding eggs. Uh, it, you have to gain that power, and if you played the gold edition, you would never have come across it. I played Super Turbo... I played... Sur- no, my God. I played Super <laughs> Turbo Championship Edition, and I never laid exploding eggs. I don't remember I where you get that power. Um, yeah. I'll have yeah, to look back either. at it. Anyway. Um, How long did it take you guys to beat this game? I, the I, first I time, the first Sorry, time I played is... this game, it took me right at about 10 hours to beat. I was playing the gold edition and I was brand new to it. The second Mm -hmm. time through, it only took me five hours or maybe five hours and 20 minutes. Like an enormous amount of difference just having, you know, that built-in feel for the combat. Um, And I'd say if I was ever going to speed run a game, it would be this one because I still enjoyed playing it even after 
you know, playing it a second time through beginning to end. And I really enjoyed that sort of like, now that I know the game, I can get through it much more quickly. So um, I don't know what the like speed run records are for this game, and I'll probably never reach them. But I'm actually considering like going through it even another time just to see if I can speed myself up. Yeah, it's got to be pretty fast. I, I took nine. I took um, bits of the beginning. I was walking around talking to a lot of people. And as I progressed in the game, I guess I became more impatient to get more powers to get further in the, the level. So I didn't explore as much as I was at the beginning. Yeah, I definitely didn't 100% this at all. Um, there's a lot of little side elements. When you're in the various different towns, you can talk to the to the villagers, and uh, if you, you know, they'll give you little mini missions to do, and if you do them, you get some small payoff, like a little bit of extra like juice for your meter or whatever. They have a Zelda heart container-y way of gaining more health. Once you've collected three, basically, heart containers, it gives you an, a... a a boost to your overall health. Yeah, and the same thing goes for your stamina, which is how many of your special moves you can pull off in a chain, uh, as well as in the Super Turbo Championship Edition, they've added a new feature called Intenso. And uh, your intenso, intenso meter, <laughs> yeah, your intenso meter fills up as you fight. And uh, if you uh, are in a, a difficult bit of combat and you are having trouble, you can. F- use that intenso meter to go into a, uh, a special intenso mode where you do really increased damage of all the things that they added in the super turbo championship edition. That is the thing I'm least fond of because I felt like it was, it made those incidents too easy. So I essentially never used it. I, I found ah. like it, I, I enjoyed playing without it. So more. it, it took Molly and I seven hours and 20 minutes to beat this game. And we actually did a lot of the little side quests fi- helping the girl build the perfect tortilla. Whatever, <laughs> or, or, I did that one. That was a quite, I, it was an adorable um, side quest. Yeah. Um, but the Intenso, like I didn't know that was an a added feature for the super turbo championship edition, but um, I definitely leaned on it because one of the things about that was it was powered up by doing combos and it helps you do more combos. So in particular fights, you could intenso and pretty much just stay intenso until the conclusion of the entire fight. And it did make it a lot easier. And frankly, I loved the combat in this game. I was not that great at it. It actually worked out really well because I was really good at the platforming elements and Molly was really good at the fighting. Mm. So we, Mm. we made it work. But it was a lot, especially early on. I did get better as she did at platforming. But early on, I would just kind of get my ass kicked and she would carry the fight. Mm-hmm. And then For me, back. almost all of the challenge of the game was in the platforming. I mean, I, when I played it through the first time, I was still kind of getting used to it. And a lot of the combat was really, really hard. But um, the second time that I played through it, having had the experience of playing through it once before, the combat was easy as pie um, because I really was in a flow and I could just... I could just plow through those guys. It felt great. Um, but some of the platforming is still really hard. The Super Turbo Championship Edition has polished down some of the difficulty spikes that I ran into. So there were some parts where I got to them and I remembered, oh man, when I first played through this game, I was stuck on this little platforming jump. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get this jump for days. And then I think they must have just slightly tweaked a few things. And I never once got stuck for more than, a, you know, maybe... 20 minutes or something on any part in, you know, during that playthrough. Um, But this time I decided I was going to really try to get the good ending, quote unquote. 
Um, we'll talk about the ending in a bit, but there are two different endings to this game, and uh, most folks will get the standard ending, which is not necessarily mm-hmm. a bad ending. I don't even think it's most folks. I looked it up. I I would be very very surprised to find to know that even one person who played this game accomplished the good ending without setting out from the beginning using like some sort of guide to accomplish. Yeah, you have to have a guide. It yeah, it is a buried good ending. Yeah, like it the I believe more so the the ending is the is the bad ending, and if you are playing it for the second time and then have looked it up online, yeah. then you can accomplish something different. I would call it an alternate ending. And it gives yeah. you it gives you a hint. So essentially, in order to get this different alternate ending, you have to collect five orbs throughout the game. And the orbs are pretty well hidden. Um, and each of them is sort of walled off behind an incredibly difficult platforming challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so you not only have to know where to look for these things, but you have to be willing to spend an enormous amount of time beating your head against these incredibly difficult platforming challenges. And where it's, uh, and actually, what I, one thing that I think they did that was really smart was that they give you an orb for free when you beat the final boss and end the game. So even if you never came across a single orb while you were playing from beginning to end, you'll get an orb at the end and you'll think, well, what was that? And you go, I don't know, and look it up. And and that's what I did and realized, oh, well, if I go back and find all of these orbs and then go through the final boss again, then I'll get a different ending. So I've been working on that right now and it is the hardest video gaming challenge I've ever faced. Um, The first orb wasn't so hard to get. The second orb was pretty hard, but the third orb, it took me three days to get. Like, <laughs> yeah, no joke. I'm, I'm looking forward. To, I, I'm intending on doing this because I'm looking forward to it. The uh, that I, I really felt that I was really good at these trick jumps and swapping in and out of the dimensions, which I know we'll talk about a little bit more. But I felt I was really good at it, and and I'm looking forward to it. And I bring this up as often as I can, even though it's been almost a year now. I was the only one of us who could beat VVV. <laughs> you <And> asshole. <laughs> I got to the last level. I just couldn't beat that last yeah. level. Um, so yeah. I, I would, I will kill you if you can. So I am, I finally, I'm super, super proud of myself. I finally beat the, there's, there's four, if I'm remembering this right, there's four orbs before the end credits, and then there's the fifth orb that you get at the very end. And I think I, mm-hmm. I've beaten all but one orb. I'm on that last orb. The, 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 orb, the orb that I just got that took me three days to get, I'm so proud of myself. It's, it's like, it's, it was the m- most exciting, like, throw your controller down in, in like, overwhelming. Victory. And what was particularly crazy about it was, so this orb, you're climbing this this enormous sort of stack of obstacles that requires just incredible amounts of sustained perfection. You know, it's a, it's one, it's a 15 minute long exercise in absolute perfect execution that you have to do in order to get to the top of this thing. And I finally get to the top of it after probably hundreds of tries and I get to the edge of the screen and the screen, you know, pans up to the next screen and there's a chicken standing there and you go and talk to the chicken and it says, congratulations, you're halfway there. <laughs> and I just about lost my shit. And uh, then, of course, you go up one more screen and there's another chicken up there and it says, psych. And there's the orb. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. 
I love a game that trolls you. Oh my god, it nearly killed me, but it was it was probably the most exciting platforming achievement yeah. of video gaming forever for me. I was so excited. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to give it a shot. Uh, I I look forward to the challenge. You guys want to talk about some of the other uh, just kind of like silly references that are all throughout this game? Because this game definitely is doing its best to pay homage to pretty much every video oh, game that yes. is even remotely, not just video games, but video games and media that are even remotely connected to to this world, this genre, or this style. Someone actually says flat out, "Sorry, Juan, your princess is in another castle." Yeah, after you run under a jumping monster, hit a button and drop it into lava. Like, I know. It, it it's is, exactly it <laughs> You kill Bowser and then you Bowser. go and get tricked. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. And there's basically, uh, I don't know if billboards is the right word, but it's basically posters. billboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. posters. In all, there's a couple of towns in the game, and each one is covered in these, like, Lucha Libre, like, fight posters, as well as, like, posters for, like, I don't know, tequila and things, but they're never just for fights. They're always sort of a, a Lucha Libre version of something from a familiar video game. Yeah, uh, I mentioned Castle Crashers really early on, saying that the game is very similar. Well, there's naturally a Castle Crashers reference in the game. What is it called? Uh, uh, Casa Crashers. Yeah, Castle Crashers, which is great. Uh, and um, I mean, it's basically the four characters from Castle Crashers just on a big poster, immediately recognizable. Slightly, slightly luchified. And there just, are a few others like that. Like there's a there's a Mario and Luigi one where Mario and Luigi are depicted as like uh like the, the wrestling brothers <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um there's a lot of references to uh Metroid. We already mentioned some of those. Um there's a ton of references to indie games, which I think is mm -hmm. really a kind of a cool move on their part. You know, they're they're referencing other people in their same indie scene. Um I noticed there was the cast of VVVVVV, you know, Viridian and, and all the other um uh little pixel people from that game were up on a poster at one point. In someone's house. And one of my favorites was um, one of the posters is for Bullet Bill, which is just a Lucha Libre version of Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> so it's not an indie game. It's a movie that loves video games. So that is a, If you haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph uh, podcast listeners, please stop listening right now. Park your car on the side of the road. Find a way to watch Wreck-It Ralph and then come back and continue listening because that movie is fantastic. That movie was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, there's Manny from Grim Fandango. We're going to be covering Grim Fandango on the show pretty soon. We're all playing it right now because of the recent uh, re-release. And um, obviously that's another game with a, a, a Day of the Dead theme. So it was really easy for them to slip Manny's skull into various places on shelves, uh, on some of the uh, uh, some of the villagers in the dead world, he's actually in a few places. Um, There's a uh, strong bad, which is great. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's basically wearing a yeah that, a that one's mask, that anyway. one's easy yeah <laughs> oh in the desert there's a cactuar from final fantasy you know the little final fantasy cactus man there's uh there's one of those just sort of hanging out in the desert nice mm -hmm. I haven't played many final fantasies so that one probably went above me 
there are probably zillions of others that we haven't mentioned. Oh, yeah. I know I am forgetting probably more than I uh, more than I've remembered to mention. Yeah, I started grabbing pictures. One of my very favorites is that there's this sort of secret spot you can get into to in the game. And uh, you crawl, crawl into this little hole in the village. And then you see this gigantic QR code on the wall. And I thought, that's interesting. There, This is a this secret me passage. And there's a QR code in here. What is it? So I grab my phone and I scan the QR code. And it says something along the lines of, congratulations, you've successfully identified and scanned a QR code. Yeah, you, let me guess. You actually had to get out your phone and go and re-download a QR code reader because nobody actually uses QR nobody codes. Nobody uses QR codes. They are garbage. But I did yeah. it anyway. And I mean, the last time I downloaded one was for Fez. <laughs> so that's what I felt like that was a reference to Fez. You know, I didn't think of that, but it probably was, yeah. But it, in, in a sense, I thought it was just sort of trolling me because I went through all the trouble of scanning this QR code and it was like, congratulations, this is a QR code. I mean, what were you expecting, though? It's a QR code. What were you hoping for? An orb? You don't get, They don't give away orbs that easily. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I won a sweet prize. <laughs> Nothing. The references were amazing. The world was super fun. The combos were great. Um, do you think we need to have a spoiler break before we start talking about the ending and its uh, and the incredible final boss? No. <laughs> I don't think it will change anybody's mind or affect anyone's gameplay. Yeah. This game is not about the plot. Guys, surprise. At the end, you fight Kalaka, the villain that you <gasps> met in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, and we also, for what it's worth, about 15 minutes ago... Talked about how it's a bad ending. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, if you want a spoiler break, you can imagine one here, but we're not going to bother editing one in because this game doesn't really need it. Um, so actually, before we talk about the final boss, we didn't talk about a couple of bosses that we skipped over um, that were super fun and I don't want to completely leave off. There was Jaguar Javier. Who My favorite are. name. <laughs> yeah, you are, Javier. Yeah, he was super fun. Um, and actually, when I played this game the first time, he was super hard. But this time, I just blew right through him. Yeah, and then he was he was so sad. He's kind of a... He's one of the last bosses you fight, and he kind of messes with you throughout the game. You kind of see him several times. And then when you fight him, he says the saddest thing. He, you, actually, like, you actually do defeat and destroy some of the bosses. This one, he kind of falls down and he says leave me alone let me lick my wounds i've been a bad kitty and earlier Aww. he says he used to be a human just yeah. like you oh yeah i i felt uh, a certain kinship with uh with yeah you are javier well i'm more um, of a dog person so <laughs> that's fair and then uh, another that this was this was an interesting addition in the gold edition, which is the version I played first, uh, Jaguar Javier was the first villain, or excuse me, uh, in the gold edition, which is what I played first, Jaguar Javier was the last villain that you fought before entering the, I think it's called the Temple of War, where you fight the final boss. Mm -hmm. But in the Super Turbo Championship edition, they've added a new level 
and a new um, a new boss for that level. And they really did a great job of slotting him in in such a way that you wouldn't really notice that it was a late addition. Um, the boss is called El Trio de la Muerte. And they actually have him show up in the very first scene uh, in a way that I thought was really funny having played the game before, which was that in the scene at the very beginning when all of the sort of mini bosses are, are coming and talking to Kalaka after he's just banished you to the dead world, um, Right at the end, the uh, El Trio de la Muerte rolls up and says, hey, did I miss anything? Um, so they just sort of edited him in just at the end. Um, nice. But he is a trio of skeletons that are merged together at the hips, and they are a sort of a mariachi band. So they're all wearing sombreros, and they all have instruments. And uh, their motivation, if they need motivation, is that uh, you know Kalaka is is having them build him the skeleton army that you face through the most of the game um, in exchange for... Reviving their dead bandmate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, their last member. There's a lot of things that are optional, and I didn't even go to El Infierno um, in this in this playthrough. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't even go there at all. You can go through. That's another. That was added in the Gold Edition. Um, El Infierno is a really interesting sort of side path that you can take in the game. At any point, you can more or less any point you can go to El Infierno, and um, that's you know that's where uh, El Diablo lives. And uh, El Diablo is really pissed off at Kalaka uh, for taking over the Dead World from him. And he's got a bunch of challenges that you can face down there in El Infierno. Um, yeah, and I don't. I, I guess I missed that too. It's on the I world. I mean, I, I felt them like fight. It's almost like fighting pits. Yeah, there's well, a lot there's of the Caverna de Pollo, <laughs> the Cavern of the Chicken. Yeah, that, that's which different. Is al- <laughs> which is also a, but that's like an endless fighting pit. Uh, mm-hmm. El Infierno is is actually a ton of fun, and I may go back and play through it a little bit because I didn't um, I didn't touch it at all this playthrough. It's totally optional, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of really clever, self contained sort of mini fighting challenges where they put you into a locked room with a combination of enemies that are sort of particularly designed to make you try something interesting. Um, so it really does a great job of making you test the skills that you've built up fighting all the other other little villains. Um, but in any case, you've you beat El Trio de la Muerte, and assuming you've decided not to go to El Infierno, then you go to the was it the Temple of War? The Temple of War. Yeah, and that's the sort of last level of the game. And there's a lot of really difficult platforming challenges in there. There's a lot of really difficult. Um, fights that you have to do uh, once you make your way all the way through that challenge through all the different little parts of the temple then finally you get to the very top where Kalaka is about to enact his ritual you know the the eclipse is beginning and he's got uh, the El Presidente's daughter tied on top of a platform and um, no <laughs> porque no porque Porque. Again, there's no voice acting. We're just applying yeah, all of this just, ourselves. Yeah. This That's is what I was feel. yelling. That's how you feel. I was on my knees yelling, Porque. You can play this portion yeah. while yeah. you're playing the game if you'd like. 
So, uh, yeah, the El Presidente's daughter is tied to the thing, and the, the ritual begins, and Kalaka turns from a mild-mannered, uh, not mild-mannered, kind of cocky and... <laughs> what is he, Clark Kent? Yeah, he turns from a skeleton that's man-sized into a gigantic, pulsating devil skeleton um, with enormous power, and he starts just totally kicking your ass if you're like me. Um, it's a really great final boss. The first time I played through the game, I was stuck on the final boss for maybe a couple of days. Like, it took me dozens of tries. This most recent time, I am proud to say that I beat him on the, only the second try. But um, it, it's a great so, final boss. Can I just say, this is the one time when I agree with you that Intenso um, actually kind of took it away because... It was possible with the way this boss fight worked out, and we just kind of discovered this on our own, is that Intenso also has a health regenerating feature to it. And basically, you could go into Intenso, jump up, and start wailing on his face. And since you're just floating up there doing a nonstop combo, you never run out of Intenso. And he'll swat at you, which pushes you away from him, and you just had to run back up and just continue punching him. And we defeated him with almost no... No problem. And I think that that probably was not the way it was intended to be done. Yeah. yeah. I definitely a- did not have that happen. I I took – I didn't use Intenso, and it took me many, many, many tries well, yeah, to kill that guy. We, we tried it the legit way, which I'm assuming is uh, you hit him with – you break a shield and then hit him with those asteroids mm-hmm. – or not asteroids. <laughs> yeah, you have to like uh, toss those flaming chunks of rock the, at his to- face. Yeah. yeah. And we were doing gross. that, and we kept getting our ass kicked. And then one of us realized like – Oh, I can just sit and punch him until he's dead. Mm-hmm. And we were doing that and it was great. But I that's the one time where I was like, yeah, Intenso was probably that was a little too much. Mm-hmm. Well, before they added Intenso, the most important move in the game, I mean, obviously the, all of the combo moves are very important, but the most important thing in the game was the dodge. There's a dodge move that you can pull off at any point. Um, and actually they got a couple of interesting ways that they've mapped it. It's on one of the triggers or you can just like sort of flick the right stick and it will dodge in that direction. And for a split second, maybe half a second or less while you're dodging, you're invulnerable to most attacks. And if you've played tower fall, it's kind of like that. Yeah, it is a little bit like Mm. that. Um, and the dodge attack is incredibly important if you're not using in, uh, Intenso in my playthrough in the gold edition, when Intenso wasn't available, uh, the boss, you, it's just an exercise in like dash, 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 uh, dodge, 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 and then finally you get one small hit in. Like it's just a ton of dodging his hits, and then finally you get an opportunity to get one small hit in, and then you have to do a whole bunch more dodging. Um, when I played through this time, I didn't use Intenso either, but I think I'd just gotten better at it, and so I was able to, to avoid his attacks a lot more smoothly just because I knew what the pattern was. There is a pattern. All of the bosses have very clearly defined patterns and they have a lot of tells so if you know what to look for you can see exactly what they're going to be doing next and get out of the way um but it's still if you have that in, if you decide to use that intenso option go for it it's, it's a it, it, i wouldn't say it's wrong to use it it's not my favorite addition to the new version but i think it will get you past some of those really difficult parts that would have stopped you otherwise so you know if your choice is get stuck or use intenso go ahead and use intenso it's it's going to make the game more fun for you but I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, and we I probably used Intenso a lot, and I never really thought that it was a... I, I see what you're saying, having not had it before, but I thought it was just a fun addition to the game. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing I will say that was a lot of fun about it was that it gave you one more 
thing to collect. Um, you know, you level up your heart containers and your, um, what's the word? Um, um, and your stamina um, stamina and yeah. yeah and your stamina yeah. you level up your heart containers and your stamina by finding chests all throughout the game and each chest usually is behind a little tiny challenge you know you have to do something kind of interesting platforming wise to get to the uh, get to the box and get the extra little bonus and the fact that they added a whole new meter to fill up meant that they also went through the game and added a whole bunch of new little challenges so while i didn't really find myself using intenso much i did find myself trying to get those boxes just because they were all neat little new platforming challenges each one was a really neat little addition yeah most of them were pretty difficult to get to as well mm -hmm. i have to say that um when I first heard that they were putting out the Super Turbo Championship Edition, I kind of groaned a little because this is a game that I had played in its original form, Guacamelee, and then I had bought in its Guacamelee Gold Edition form, and then I had bought again on another platform. I forget. I think I bought this game three times now. Um, so when I heard that they were doing another version, I kind of thought, yeah, that's kind of cheap and kind of like, what's the what's the deal there? But I think they really did an amazing job here. Yeah, it's only 15 bucks regular price, which is an insane deal. And I think yeah. the fact that it's, you know, the Super Turbo Championship Edition, um, I wouldn't mind if they keep doing this and keep refining it a little bit. They polished it. They uh, they fixed the save system. In the original version, it only had a single save slot. Now it has three, which I was something I really wished that it had in the initial version. Um, I feel, feel like it's sort of analogous and I think they kind of were referencing it with the name. It's kind of analogous to the way that fighting games like uh, like Street Fighter will come out with a sort of a moderate upgrade version every now and then uh, that just sort of polishes things, rebalances things. Um, and it's a it's an update for the fans. Newcomers will just get this version. It's the current version. Um, if you played the game once in the past and you feel like you're done with it, you don't need to buy the new version. It's not going to blow your mind. But um, it's a nice. It's nice that they're they found a way to sustainably polish and continue putting that extra coat of awesome on the game, um, and not you know go broke in the process. I'm totally yep. I'm totally happy to give them another fifteen bucks to buy this on PS4. Yeah, if you ended up with Gold Edition because you got it in a Humble Bundle. Um, I don't think you're going to be missing too much. That's when I played it the first time. Um, so I don't think you need to buy another edition if you are locked into Steam and don't want to buy the new upgrade. It's not as if you are going to be missing too much. You're going to miss out on um, El Trio de la Merte, of course, but yeah. um, the rest of the game is still there. Yeah. Uh, this game... Um well, there were times when I found it difficult. I was never, I never felt cheated by the combat. You know, I felt like when I died, it was like, well, okay, that was my fault. Oh, yeah. And I never, I don't know, I like there was this, there's no problem that I could come up with this game. You know, usually we have like a little moment where we're like, well, this could work better, this could work better. This may not be a game for everybody, but if you're even remotely a fan of, of, of fighting games, uh, what a beat 'em up games or platforming games, or the Metroid series or yeah, Castlevania I games. I highly recommend it. And mm -hmm. if you're not, if you don't know if you're a fan of those games, then this is the game to try. Yeah, it's a cheap game to try this this style out on, and this is this is a real high point for Metroidvania games in general, and for beat 'em up games in general. I mean, I I have rarely loved a game as much as I have this one. Yeah, if you can find someone to play it with, uh, I highly recommend it. What's cool, too, is 
they can just kind of in arcade style just press x and join the fight at any time so while i started the game pretty much with molly the entire game if you just have someone at one point who wants to come in and fight some skeletons with you they can it's it's not required to play the whole game two player or not oh also the steam version this was something that i found a little disappointing the um the ps4 version uh is two player multiplayer the steam version recently added four player multiplayer and that option hasn't nice. come to the uh to the console versions yet so if for some reason you really want to play this four player um you may need to get the steam edition four player would be fun that's why i know we've talked about it forever um castle crash was this four player and up until this game, that was my favorite beat 'em up game, and it's still up there. Like I, I probably had like Guacamelee is probably a more polished game, but I've mentioned Castle Crashers many times already, and that's because I love that game as well. Yep. Now that I've finally gotten you to uh, to play my you know pet game that I've been dying to get on this show, uh, maybe Castle Crashers. <laughs> I'll have to make some time, and we'll make that happen. Yeah. Castle Crashers is great. We've been talking about trying to get all four of us to play at the same time, which is why it hasn't been on the calendar. But um, Castle Crashers is an amazing game. I've played a ton of it in two-player. I have never played it for more than about 15 minutes at somebody's house, so I'm really excited I, to get a chance to get into it. I've actually played the entire game from start to finish with four players. Wow. And it was so much fun. Look at Mr. I Have Friends over here. <laughs> well, it was. it's helpful to have had a moment in your life where like six people lived at your house. <laughs> yeah. I think that about does it for Guacamelee. Thank you guys so much for finally letting me talk about this game on the show. I have been dying to do it for over a year. This is, um, this is, there are certain games that just really work for me, and I don't know how to describe what my tastes are here, but like the two games that we've done on this show that I just got inordinately passionate about, just weirdly excited to talk about. Here comes the Freedom Planet. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I was this gonna say Freedom Planet. And Freedom Planet. And I like I got embarrassingly into Freedom Planet, and I think it was for kind of the same reason. It's just a action flow that got inside my like lizard brain and 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 made me have fun. And no other games have done that for me on the level of this. Even, you know, big first-party games like when I was a kid. I, I can't think of a game that had such an amazing flow and made me just... Like, I would play... The, I, I just finished playing this game for the second time, start to finish. I think I'm going to play it again. No question. I might give it a week or two, and then I'm going to dive right back in. Um, yeah, well, and normally, once we're done recording on a game... I don't generally go back and play them. Just, you know, I've moved on to whatever our next game is. Uh, but I'm I am excited about and intending on going back shortly to try to get these orbs and really try to essentially 100% the game, which is not something that I do very often. We played it like three out of four nights. Like we pretty much just started it and then we're done like four days later. Like I, and normally we don't, do that like it's it normally would take a while to even even though it was only seven hours of play time you know we both have a lot going on and we were just like nope all we're doing is playing guacamelee 
and it was. I mean, great. I remember you were actually late to recording another episode because you were playing guacamole. I mean, I also raced. I was, times. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were yeah. like an hour late. We're like, where were you, Nate? You're like, I was playing guacamole. Yeah, I totally was. I just I got lost in it. You know, we were just. It's there's n- almost no downtime in the game. So unless you are actively paying attention to the to the real world, you could just start playing this game and just not stop playing until you rip yourself away from the screen. So we initially were planning to do Grim Fandango next on our calendar, and then we realized that that might be a little bit of Day of the Dead overload. Um, that would be following a game with uh, Mexican cultural cultural tropes featuring a lot of Day of the Dead imagery with another game featuring a lot of Day of the Dead imagery. So we decided to break that up a little bit. And next week, we're not entirely sure what you'll be hearing, but um, you'll be hearing an episode from us. Following that, we think we're going to be talking about Grim Fandango, which has just had a nice re-release on Steam and on the next generation, or I guess current generation consoles. Grim Fandango's been on my list of plays since I heard about it. Um, I'm really excited. There's finally a version I can play on my computer. Oh my god, yes. I'd been wanting to play Grim Fandango for ages. And you never could. Yeah, there was no place to buy it. They didn't have it on uh, good old games. They didn't have it on Steam. And uh, even if you could, you know, acquire a copy, it was difficult to get it to run on modern machines because it just came in in that period in the 90s when I guess all computers were horrible and so it's it's that that beginning of 3d gaming where a lot of pc games from that era are just really difficult to get to work um so finally there's been a great re-release i've heard nothing but good things about it um they've refined the controls a little bit um but apart from that it's it's basically the original game and i'm really excited to give it a try um We'd love for you to play along with us, and we want to hear your thoughts about them as well as your thoughts on this episode. Um, so give us a give us a yeah, so <laughs> give yeah. us an internet. Give us a call. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> I- internet us. Um, where can people find us? Well, you can well. find the show on Twitter at underscore short game. Um, I am on Twitter as well at Laura J Nash and Reagan. Oh, I am Reagan K. That's R A Y G A N K. And you can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And, of course, uh, theshortgame.net is the one-stop shop for all of your... <laughs> I hate that phrase. It's just, ugh, um, I, I'm the worst. And it's a it's place It's better than you... soup to nuts. Oh, God, I hate that, too. Who says soup to nuts? People in the business world. Oh, yeah. What does that even mean? It means you serve everything from soup to nuts. It sounds gross, oh. though. Which... Which apparently nuts used to be an after-dinner thing. I don't know. It's a weird business thing. Oh, so you start with the soup and end with the nuts? It's like, yeah, who ends their night on nuts? Well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You said it. (laughs) I did. Yeah. The synergy of soup to nuts well, is astounding. Anyway, if you want to know more about the podcast in general, you can come to our website where you'll find um, the episodes, you'll find uh, the list of what's coming up next, and more contact information about us. And a link to us on iTunes where you can leave us a review. Uh, Shane isn't here to yell angrily into a microphone about it, so I'll stand in for him and say you really should go and give us a review on iTunes. Uh, If you head to our website and click the subscribe in iTunes button, that'll take you directly to us on iTunes, or you can just open iTunes on your computer or on your device, whichever it is, search for us by name, and find us and leave us a glowing review. 
And we do know a few of you guys have explicitly called out Shane for his uh, yelling campaign, given us wonderful reviews. We thank you. And Shane will be on to thank you by reading your reviews um, next time he hosts. So thanks so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.